Hi guys, it's Emmett. Come on dogs. So yesterday I tuned in to a free webinar that a, a big name uh, was doing that was ostensibly about how to make your self-recession proof. And after about 45 minutes, I logged off feeling pretty frustrated with it. It was far too much of an upsell to their paid services and the content was extremely lean. And I felt like the trust had been violated for me uh, in that I felt like Basically, I logged off when he went to question and answer after basically only giving one decent piece of advice, which is that one good way to recession-proof yourself is to build a good reputation or social or a personal brand, reputation, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like that's, that's like the tip of the iceberg. And I had so many things beyond that that I think are important and so I thought I'd do an episode about what I think you can do to make yourself recession proof and also start building uh, either a business or a side stream of income during these times when you might have found yourself uh, let go of a job. So The first thing to note is that it's important um, to see making yourself recession-proof as something that you do before you hit a recession. So obviously right now, uh, you got to start somewhere if you're just starting, but hopefully um, these are things that you continue to do and think about even when times are good. I think I have this mentality because I started out being a business owner right when the last recession hit, is when I took over my Christmas tree farm and started my editing business. And so I've been thinking about how to make myself uh, relatively safe from those sorts of uh, economic turmoils ever since then. And so far it seems to have worked. So, the first most important thing I would say is to make sure that you are diversified, at least within your business, in terms of what you do. This is both good business, because not everything is for everyone, uh, but also makes it so that you can pivot to the thing that's working when other things seem to be drying up. So within each of my businesses, let's exclude the editing business because I really only offer one thing. But for reasons I'm not going to go into, I don't don't really want my editing business to grow. Although in some ways, it could have the most potential to grow. It's just not what I want to do with my life. So within my spoon carving business, for example, I have so many different things that I offer. Not just different spoons that I carve, although that is important also. But so many different services and ways that people can engage with me. 
I didn't come up with those all at once, but I let them build naturally. But I don't think that should stop you necessarily from coming up with them all at once. If you are starting out on your journey of trying to turn a side hustle into a business, one of the things you can do is try to diversify what you do. And a lot of times you get started in something because you want to make something. And the problem with making something is that you're essentially asking people to buy something because they love it, not because it helps them necessarily in their own journey. And so an easy way to diversify your side hustle is to figure out what service you can offer people that would actually make their lives easier. So the spoon blanks for me uh, is that. Teaching is that. Designing tools for myself and then offering them for other people is that. Um, It's important to note that most of these things I didn't have the chutzpah to start offering on my own. I waited until someone asked me if I would do something and I learned to say yes whenever somebody asked me to do something. That's still a great idea, but I don't think you need to wait. I think uh, you can be smart, look at people who seem like they're making it work, figure out what are the actual sort of underlying things that are working for them and do that. So diversifying your business is one thing. The other thing is if you can diversify in the form of having multiple jobs, multiple businesses, so much the better. Around, uh, around where I live in the Hilltowns, we call it the Hilltown Hustle, where you have two or three jobs to make ends meet. And a lot of times people bemoan the idea that, you know, you don't end up making as much money. Uh, it sort of yanks you around, but it does mean that if one thing falls through, it's not your whole income. And in particular, if it's things that you control because you have several businesses, it does provide a stabilizing effect. Now, it is nice if those things can support one another reputationally so that you're not just siloing off different parts of yourself uh, and pushing in opposite directions. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. But it is helpful if whether reputationally or just, you know, if things just dovetail nicely in terms of the time they require of you and the the type of effort they require of you. So if you have a, you know, one job that's very physical, try and come up with something that's more using your brain. If you have one job that has you at a computer, try and come up with another job that has you using your body. So the more thoughtful you can be about that, the better all the different parts will fit together. Now you do lose a certain amount of momentum from spreading yourself across two or three businesses. But what you lose in momentum, you gain in stability. It's like building a wide squat building instead of a tall skyscraper. You might not be the tallest building, but you aren't as likely to fall down. Okay, so... Diversification, that's the number one thing. Figuring out a service and figuring out how to get a whole bunch of different things to dovetail together and saying yes when people ask you things. Now let's talk about reputation. I think the most important thing about reputation is to be generous 
with what you know and what you can share and what you can contribute. And to remember that your reputation is everything. It's not just what you deliberately put out into the world. You get your reputation for how you act at all times, not just how you want to present yourself, right? Everybody wants to present themselves as being a nice person. It's when, it's how somebody acts when it's just in the moment and it's not them deliberately putting out some sort of content. That betrays who they really are. And that story about who they really are will circulate. So you need to be aware of not just the image you're trying to present, but how you actually are as a person in the world and try to work to make that better. Social media can do this well, but it's worth remembering that part of social media is not just the stuff you post, it's how you interact. It's who you choose to interact with. It's what all the other people are saying about you. And it's worth trying to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who comes across you for the very first time, doesn't know who you are, doesn't care who you are. What are they going to think of you? Hold on, got a car coming. Come here, dogs. Come here. Come here. Come here. Willa, come here. Sit. Maisie, sit. Good girl. Hey, Bill. Oh, fantastic. All right, cool. Yeah, they've been strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can practically walk across the water on them. There's so many frogs in there right now. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lovely to see you. Oh, yeah? Oh, I'm honored. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> um, that's the guy who runs horses in the pasture here. He and his wife have a bet on when the wood peepers, the spring peeper frogs, will uh, start, start showing up in this pond that I walk past. And uh, they have a bet, a running bet with each other on which day of the month it'll, they'll show up. He said it was yesterday. Um, so... Where was I at? Oh yeah, it's worth thinking about. Um, it's worth thinking about what sort of um, impression you make on somebody who doesn't know who you are, who doesn't know your backstory, doesn't really care who you are, and whether how you present yourself at any given moment comes across as inviting and someone that they want to spend more time and energy learning about. Because it's easy to forget that, to get wrapped up in your bubble of who's already following you, and, and essentially, without necessarily realizing it, walling yourself off or setting yourself up on a pedestal. And I think one of the keys to keeping new business flowing in is making yourself uh, available to people 
so that they feel like they can reach out and you'll actually respond. One of the hacks I have for this is to immediately follow back anyone who follows me that I can tell is a real person Um, and not just a business or something else. And what that does is not to say to them, you know, hey, I'm going to take a look at your stuff real closely. It simply is meant to indicate that I see you as a human being and I see us as equal as human beings. And that levels the playing field because there's a lot of inequality on social media based on who has more followers, which frankly is a terrible way of telling who has uh, more value to bring you. Come here, dogs. Come here. Hey, come here. Willa, come here. Come here. Come here. Sit. Hey, sit. Good girl. Good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) See ya. So, um, hold on, I'm just going to see if he's going to pull into his horses here. Nope, now I'm going to wait till he's gone so that Willa doesn't chase his truck. Willa, you're being good. Stay here. So when I follow somebody who follows me, what I'm indicating to them is that I am... I am open to them reaching out and establishing communication. And you would be shocked. Willa, come here. Willa, come here. You would be shocked. Let's go back, Willa, this way. Come on. You would be shocked at how often that leads to people feeling like they can reach out to me right away. Um, Because it's a gesture of respect. So that's a hack that you can use in social media to get people to start to interact with you. Because ultimately, what's going to make someone decide to buy something from you rather than from someone else is if they feel like you're approachable. Um, You want them to... uh, feel like they can reach out to you with a with an unusual request. You want them to feel like you'll respond to them promptly. So that's another thing, right? Just general customer service. If somebody reaches out to you, respond quickly. Obviously, as you get larger, this gets harder to do, but I think letting yourself off the hook for it is a mistake. There's so many people that I interact with, and some people are terrible at getting back to me, and I just naturally don't develop as strong a relationship with those people. Um, So I think if you are serious about wanting to make something into a business, taking seriously the need to respond to people in a timely manner is important. All right, so to get my train of thought back to the, the original premise, is how to make yourself relatively recession-proof. So, uh, along with those hacks on social media, the most important thing on social media is is to be consistent and thoughtful with your presence. 
Uh, I am always surprised at how long it takes to build a reputation. Certainly a reputation that is robust and not just built on fluffy numbers, but is actually built on uh, sort of real people and a real diverse customer base. It takes years. And it takes years, not just of posting something occasionally, but years of posting something regularly and posting stuff that is varied and interesting and visually appealing and relevant to people and valuable to people, not just, here's the latest thing I carved. But actually sharing some of your life, sharing some of your ideas about how to make things easier, sharing your process, sharing uh, useful things that you have found out or useful people that you know. There's so many different creative ways to go about it. But the how well you do it is going to be what determines if you're successful or not. And part of how well you do it is doing it consistently. Because consistency is the key, I try hard to keep the amount of time that I dump into any one thing reasonable. I have people who poke me all the time about having uh, typos in my posts. And part of that is because I'm trying to fit in a long post in between you know, my other uh, in-person responsibilities of being a, a dad and a husband. And a lot of times I don't have time in the moment to go back and, and edit them or proofread them. And I just made my peace with the fact that there might be some typos. There's even been some embarrassing typos. But in the end, putting out the work and being thoughtful about what I'm writing is more important than getting it perfect. It's far more important. So when I take a photograph, often the photograph you see is the only photograph I took. That's probably true 75% of the time. I took the photograph. Very rarely do I go back and try and take another photograph. And then only if I upload it to my phone, see it in a larger format, and realize that I just completely got the focus wrong. And then I'll go and I'll take one more photograph. Because you can always go down a rabbit hole of making something perfect, but that does not equate to bringing value to your business, and it also doesn't equate to bringing value to your community. Another thing I would say about making yourself recession-proof is to not trade away your, uh, your street cred, your political capital, your whatever you want to call it, the, the trust that people have placed in you, the respect that they hold for you, don't trade it away for sponsored anything. If you want to sponsor something yourself by just recommending it, that's one thing. But as soon as you take money for something, you are siphoning away the trust that you are gaining for money from someone else. So I would argue that even though it feels like you could go down that road, that you will get weaker and weaker. And it might happen so slowly that you don't realize it, but gaining trust takes a long time. Losing trust can also take a long time. I feel like we're in this idea of like, 
oh, gaining trust takes a long time, but losing it can happen in an instant. That's true. Losing it can also happen bit by bit over time. How many people do you follow that you've slowly lost respect for because their feeds have become overtaken with paid content? It's real. And I think it happens so slowly and it gets muffled by the money coming in that if you go down that road, you don't realize that your trajectory has changed until perhaps there is real damage that has been done to your trajectory. Because trajectory is everything to me. I don't care if I'm making huge leaps and bounds. I just want to know that I'm making progress. And there's so many topics that I don't want to touch on because they don't relate to making yourself recession-proof. Okay, so preserve your reputation at all costs. It is almost never worth it to cash it in. Not if you're playing the long game of what you want to do for decades for the rest of your life. Let's talk about why it's important to build your social brand as yourself for a second. One of the biggest leaps forward that I made was when I stopped trying to hide behind a business name. And I changed my account name to just my name. And I felt this immediate relief that I was just being myself. And when people came across my account, they knew it was me. And I could show all the different aspects of my life and not have it come across as like, there's this weird disconnect when you have a business name on top of your name. That's the umbrella that things happen under. Reputationally, it makes it much more complicated for people. Is the reputation you're building for your business? Is the reputation you're building for yourself? I think it's much easier to have, especially on social media, have your name be the main thing. And then if you want to have a business name, have a business name. But have it be underneath the umbrella of you. Because let's be honest, that's how it works in real life. There is not the business and then you're somehow underneath that. You're you. And then the things that you do are under the umbrella of everything that is you. And when I switched to having it just be my name, I felt all of a sudden that people were starting to relate. They felt like they could reach out. It didn't feel like I was posing anymore. And I could share more thoughtfully my journey without feeling like I had to put on some silly business front that was pretending to be more than I actually was. So if you are just starting out your side hustle now, please switch your account name to just your name, even if it's a common name. Figure out how to make it so that it's just clear what your name is. Because what you want is people to just say, oh, I know that guy. And you don't need everyone in the world to know your name. You are trying to build a reputation within a sub-community. And it's possible to build a business that will support you, maybe not make you rich, but support you within even the most small of sub-communities. 
right? The spoon carving community is tiny compared to the rest of the world. We think it's big because we're in each other's business all the time, thanks to social media. But all I have to do is drive a half an hour away from home to recognize just how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people, or millions of people, depending on how far I go, I've passed by who don't give a hoot about what I do and who I am and would think it's weird. And that's fine. The point is that when you switch your name to yourself, you don't need to be a household name. You just need to be you so that people within your community will know it's you. Otherwise, you're asking somebody to remember two names, your name and your business name. And that's just stupid. So, along with not making it unnecessarily hard for people to remember who you are, not just your business, I think the thing you can do if you're starting out right now and thinking, how can I build this thing so that I'm ready the next time around, is... Shoot, where was I going with this? Is to... Ah! Where was I going with this? Well, I'm going to go sit over here on this rock. and Just cool it for a minute. Um, oh yeah. To not focus too much on... On presenting yourself as though you've got things figured out. Just share thoughtfully your process of figuring this thing out. You don't have to have arrived in order to share your ideas and your thoughts. And you don't have to... um, You don't have to... lean so heavily on other people who you see as experts in order to share an opinion of your own. Let me give you an example. Instead of buying spoons from people and having your content be, look at this spoon that I bought from so-and-so and tagging them and, and trying to essentially get some of their street cred, although you might be thinking of it to yourself as just spreading the love to them, essentially what you're doing is taking their work and using the quality of their work to add some juice to your feed. Instead of that, I would say, learn how to take good photographs. Because you can take good photographs of life, even when your work is not up to a level that you feel like other people's work is. And if you take good photographs of life, and then share what your thoughts are about any number of things... That's good content. Good content is not good craftsmanship displayed in a photo. Good content is a whole other thing. And solid businesses hang off of good content, not necessarily good work. That's not to say that the work isn't important, but you get your start by making your content good, not by making your work good. I learned this the hard way as well. I thought when I started out that I was going to need to 
basically prove myself by having my work be good. And what I found, to my chagrin, was that that didn't really matter. That, A, what I thought was good work was going to change so fast that the only thing that really mattered in that regard was that I just kept making stuff and kept sharing it. But that, B, the variable of my success was not whether my stuff was good or not by some objective standard. It was how thoughtfully was I sharing my journey. And when I shifted my focus to that, that's when things really took off. Because what people are buying when they're buying something from you, assuming it's not just a service that uh, you're really just, they have like a deep need for. But if they're buying from you, and even if it is for a service, part of what they're buying is they are buying into your story of your journey that you are telling. You have to be a storyteller. And so get good at telling your story. That means get good at taking photographs. If that means buying a camera, buy a camera. Don't buy the most expensive camera out there. See what you can do with a, you know, a couple hundred bucks. If you don't have a couple hundred bucks, use what you've got. But what you can do is be more thoughtful about your photography and your words and how you are sharing your journey so that you are drawing people in. And then be careful to not oversell and not undersell. You can go too far in either direction when you're a business. You can undersell. Well, let's start with oversell. You can oversell, which I think we all understand is where you come across as sort of always pushing your work. And, and that can get annoying. Although how annoying it gets is, again, there's sort of so many variables to go into sort of how much it's annoying that I hesitate to sort of give a blanket statement about that. But at the same time, you can also undersell your work where you share and share and share and never make it clear that you have things that people can buy. Now, I have strong opinions about how you can thoughtfully structure your business to work especially well and why I think you should work on the commissions and specials model and why I think you should just handle sales in person. All of these things that I've made decisions of for myself, I think that they would work really well for a whole bunch of people. And I'm, uh, I'm always surprised that people don't do it. I think because they see so many other people doing different things that they think, well, that must be what's working. And the question you need to ask yourself is not, what is, what are, what is most people doing? in terms of selling their work, but what are the people doing who are actually seem like they're making it really work? What are they doing? Because I would argue that I don't know of hardly any craftspeople who sell their work with the model of like, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of stuff and then put it up for sale on my website. I don't know anyone who's doing that who is making a decent living. They all seem to be struggling and talking about how they're struggling. So what good is that model to you if you look at how they're doing things and you think, oh, I should do it because that's what they're doing. All that tells you is that they've invested enough time and energy to learn something and get it set up in their life that they don't want to change it, that there's a barrier to them changing it. And the trick is to find the people who seem like they are actually making it work really well and figure out what they're doing. 
I think I'm pretty rare in that I share most of that. But I think if you're thoughtful at looking at other people who seem like they're making it work and you look at what they're doing and you can maybe even ask them if they would do things differently or what's working, what's not working, you'll get a much better insight into what you think you should do. If you want to know more about the details of my tactics, please go back and listen to you know all the episodes that seem like they're offering those sorts of tactics in my podcast. I've been doing this for a year and a half now uh, daily, so there's a lot of episodes of me describing in nitty-gritty detail all of these little things. So... Let's say that you have a business that you've established. You're not just starting right now. You've been doing a bunch of the things I've been talking about. And you're wondering how you can ramp it up in this moment and also do things to make it more stable in the future. I think the key is to recognize that if, if, if your business is in trouble right now, it's an indication that you need to change it in some way. If all of your... So here's a great example. I just had a wonderful conversation with Yoav Elkayem out in the UK. Many of you, I assume everyone listening to this, uh, knows who he is. He reached out a couple days ago and said, hey, I'm considering doing spoon blanks like you're doing because all of my teaching courses for this summer got canceled and I, I need to pivot and figure out how to keep money coming in. And I, you know, can I, can I talk with you about what's worked and what hasn't worked? And I reached out immediately. We had a lovely conversation. I'm so thrilled that he's doing it. I think it's such a smart move, but the key thing that he did is that he pivoted, that he looked at the situation and said, okay, what can I do given my resources, given the unfair advantages that I have at my disposal, something I've talked about before, what is your unfair advantage? You know, he has, excuse me, access to wood and he can ship spoon blanks to people in the UK and the EU. Something I can't do. Those are his unfair advantages. Plus he has a a big audience of the right people who are interested in buying spoon blanks. And he looked around at the scene and said, who seems to be making it work? In that case, it was me. He recognized that the spoon blanks really seemed to be working for me. I think he was still surprised to find out just how well they're working for me. And he said, you know, I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to use my skills in this other way. That's what you need to do in this moment, is figure out what are your unfair advantages, and how can you pivot your business to something that is going to um, both be profitable and play to your strengths and be of service to people so that you are both helping people but also building your, your reputation as someone who helps people in this moment. And it's not, sometimes that immediately solves your financial problem because it works really well and sometimes it is not the immediate solution to your financial problem and you just need to go get a job while you let this other thing build it's not necessary depending on where you're at it's not necessarily going to solve your problem overnight but it's about making sure that your trajectory is in the right place and there's something about 
an event like this, you know, a pandemic or, or just any sort of economic downturn that shows you the weakness in your situation that you might not have seen. I had a good conversation with uh, Morgan Raleigh the other day in which she said, you know, it turns out that my followers are the wrong followers. They're either not here because they're interested in my work, but because of how I present my life, but they're, even those who are interested in my work, a lot of them are here because I show my van life that I do, and a lot of them are other people living in vans who find themselves in trouble in this moment, and so my orders have dried up, because your community is your base of customers, and you want to be thoughtful about who you're attracting and whether or not they are going to still be there if the economy shrinks. So while I'm not saying, like, go find rich customers, because that's not necessarily the, the solution, I am saying be thoughtful about it and make sure that your customer base is diversified as well. And you get a diverse customer base by sharing different parts of your life and not just leaning on one trope. And maybe, depending on your life, you recognize that, oh, I'm getting too many of this type of people. What can I share that's going to attract a different type of person? Right? So maybe you live in a van, and you could get a lot of people who live in a van, but you're also passionate about like, cooking amazing food. Well, share more about cooking amazing food, and then you get people starting to follow you who also love cooking amazing food. Not all of those people are going to live in vans. They're going to have very different economic circumstances during an economic downturn. It's going to be more diverse. So I keep coming back to this idea of diversification. And it's, it is the same as any biological system. The more diverse an ecosystem you can create for yourself, the more it will be buffered against changes to that system. Because there will always be something that you can pivot to, something that will spring up, something that will take up the space that has been vacated by other things. And you want to find a system that is as non-brittle as possible. And I hope this podcast helped. If you made it all the way to the end, thank you for listening. They won't always be this long, but I felt like I had a lot of different things to share. If you valued this longer episode, uh, please let me know so that I know that maybe I should do them occasionally, definitely not regularly. Um, and again, thank you for your time. Talk tomorrow.